Candy Lakers, pleased to meet you. Nice to know me. What you doing? You're listening to another edition of Cassio's Cut. I am your host, Cassio, of course, and I am joined by my new friend, Referee Nick Patrick. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Well, we are excited. Me and you is going to get into some fun, and then uh, we've got a special show to plug at the end that we are going to be doing together. So uh, we're going to have some fun. If you do not know Nick Patrick, what are you doing with your life? But Nick Patrick, a world-renowned wrestling referee, debut in 1984. Is that right, Nick? Ah, uh, no. I started uh, graduated high school in '79, and then I broke in in '80 while I was going to going to college. I started uh, up in Central States. I started part time while I was going to school. Were and, you uh, wrestling then? Not refereeing though, right? No, you I, were started, wrestling? I started off as a ref, and then I I started wrestling after about. Uh, four years of repping and I wrestled for about two and a half years before I blew my knee out. And then I had to take a little time off when I got back in, I got back in. As a uh, and of course, uh, if you are from the South, like I am, you will know Mr. Patrick's dad, the assassin. Um, I'm sure growing up in a wrestling, um, wrestling household, was there ever a time where you hated wrestling and wanted to get out of it? Or was it always in? It's always, it's always been our family business. It's what we do. It's in our, it's in my blood and uh, my kids love it. My son's actually in sports entertainment as well. And he just didn't get into wrestling. He's a, he likes the technical end of it. He's a cameraman and a fiber tech. Op, uh, op. Oh, jeez. Let me turn this off. Guys. Hold on. <laughs> You're good. We're all good. <laughs> the JBL deal. <laughs> With the wife, I got to answer this. Hold on. Yes, the wife. Okay, we had to take a break. When the wife calls, either one of us, we're going to have to pause, okay? I tell you what, you better. (laughs) Uh, So, son is in it now. Uh, You always were, you know, it was in your blood. You you loved it. Uh, And, of course, like I said, I'm from Alabama, so uh, I do the weekly podcast with with a friend of yours, Mr. Brian James. Oh, yeah. Road Road Dog. dog. Oh, buddy, yeah. And, of course. Brothers, too. And of course, uh, you know, being from the South, Bullet Bob was was the guy for my dad and uh, and many generations. But without Bullet Bob, if you talk about Bullet Bob, you got to talk about the assassin. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, just for uh, maybe those that were not in the South. Uh, talk about hand in hand, Bullet Bob and the assassin. Man, they they made each other. That was the oh. that was ultimate heat and ultimate baby face. Oh yeah. They feuded when we were kids and then later on in their careers, and, uh, uh, Bob became the bullet and, uh, over in Alabama and, uh, that upper part of Florida pop became the flame for a while. Yeah. And so and had, and the same feud ignited just different <laughs> two same guys, just two different characters and then reignited the whole thing. It was funny. Uh, I, I was friends with all the Armstrong boys and, and, I was wrestling at the time and I got a chance to go down and wrestle in the continental uh, territory. And I was teaming up with Scott and Stevie and we were at a show one time. And now we were the young guys at that time. And, and we're going out there every night, just boom, just 
just going as hard as we could go, man, trying to steal the show. And Pop would go out there with with Bullet, and they would go 10, 12 minutes, and they wouldn't even touch each other for 12 minutes. And the freaking people would be going crazy, like trying to start, you know, I'm, and we're like, God, we're killing ourselves trying to, trying to get a reaction. And look at these guys. Yeah, man, it was fun, though. But it was a lear- that was a learning process right there in itself. Uh, and then, well, my favorite was for a time I remember growing up, that was just a guy. I'm I'm originally from Gadsden, Alabama, and there was a guy like at the Jacks who was calling himself the Flame, and we were like, "You are not the Flame." I'm sure yeah. there was a few Flames all over the South. Oh yeah, there was a there was a few Flames, and there's a couple of assassins too. I had one <laughs> one guy come up to me, and he and he gave me this big spiel about how Pop pulled him off to the side, and and told him. To take the torch and run with it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> okay, where did this happen? <laughs> it was funny, but I let him go on with it. You know? Take the torch and yeah. run with it. Yeah, what he does, he he wears a suit and he, and he puts on a mask and he goes to different indie shows, shows up and acts like he's just everybody. You know. So good, so but good. It's, you know what the heck? You know, as long as he's ill and having fun. <laughs> and then when you when you you said you you did a brief stint wrestling. You were actually teaming with uh, one of the Armstrongs, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, Steve and Scott. The Nightmares? I worked with the Nightmares against the Nightmares. Oh, feuding against the Nightmares, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was one of the uh, Rat Patrol back in the day. They had different interchangeable parts. Johnny Rich was part of it, and uh, it was an interesting story. He was with Tommy, and uh, they uh, was at a party, and... Uh, a fight broke out and uh, Johnny was like trying to cover Tommy's back and he got stabbed several times and, and man he was hurt he was out for a while and uh, so a slot opened up I was finishing up I was looking for a place to go and my dad was really wrestling out there they wanted somebody to fill into that slot so popped through my name and I was like hey look Nick's available you know if, uh, if, you, if you're looking for somebody to put in that spot so they brought me down and I got to spend about six or seven months working the Pensacola territory before I went to work for Watts out in Louisiana. Wow. It was awesome, man. Down there in Pensacola, the, the trips were short. The longest trip you ever made was like if you went up to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and they'd make a two-day run out of that. But you would you'd get the train. You could, you'd be on the beach every morning if you wanted to. Fishing, you could go, oh, man. It was an awesome place to work and learn. And and you made decent money for a small for a small territory. You know they didn't pay like like the Carolinas and like Barnett and Atlanta did, but but uh, they still paid pretty dang good. And it's you were home every night and on the beach in the morning. So what the hell? It was, was it that, was a good deal. That was continental. Yeah, that was continental. Back in the what mid eighties, late eighties. Eighty four, eighty four. I was there. What what what's if you don't mind me asking, what's paid good? What's what's maybe top guy and low guy on, on one of those cards? I was underneath and I was making seven eight hundred dollars. Oh, okay, that is good money for late eighties. Yeah, for late eighties, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Territory and sleeping in my own bed almost every night. You know, that's strong. So uh, yeah, a great place to go and learn and have fun and, and man, it was awesome. Then you leave, uh, you leave Continental, and uh, your dad. You're, now you're involved in Deep South, right? Right. Yeah, Continental to Deep South. No, I went from Continental. I went to Mid South for. Uh, oh, Mid South. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I went to work for him for six months, and uh, two weeks before Christmas in 1985, I blew my knee out really bad. 
and uh, they took me to Shreveport. The doctor told me I needed surgery. I had an apartment in Alexandria with a couple of guys. And I said, well, I don't, want to see, you know, I don't want to do it out here. You know, I'm, I'm going to have surgery. I'm going to be down and out for a while. So I'm getting, I'm getting home. Yeah. And second opinion anyway. So I come home and I, and I went to, at the time that Dr. An Andrews, the big Dr. Andrews that does all the athletes, he had a, a place called the Houston Clinic down in Columbus, Georgia. And uh, I went down there and uh, they, they checked my knee out. And sure enough, I, I needed surgery bad. I, but they told me, because they had to bend it around to see if, you know, how bad it was. And I bet you couldn't move my leg. My leg was bad. You know? yeah. So when they got in and ended up checking it out, they told me it looked like a bomb. Went up in every ligament, every cartilage, I blew everything out. What'd you do? Did you, what, what move I, got you? I was, in a, I was uh, going into a finish. I was working with one of my roommates, actually. And uh, I was coming off the ropes, and he was in the middle, and he went to scoop slamming. And I went up and over it. In behind him, hit him in the corner. And as I went up and over, when I come down, when I landed, my my right ankle buckled, and my knee just went right behind it. Oh, you know, it, it was it was gone, man. It was just, it was bad. Yeah, I remember, remember Duggan and a couple of guys. They all come out. They took my boot off, and then they got me back in the locker room. Man, I was oh, I was just like in shock. And when you hurt that bad, you. Body goes through a bunch of emotions. First, you feel like you start sweating real bad. You feel like you're going to throw up. Then you feel like you got to go to the bathroom. Then you feel like you're going to faint. Then you're going to feel like you're going to throw up again. So, I mean, I'm laying there. I'm just hurting. And Jake Snake walked up to me and said, Here, brother. And he, he put his fist out. You know, like he said, There are my fist. <laughs> and I, so I held my hand out. You can see it too. And I opened my hand. There were like three bills there. And I said, I said, How often do I take them? He goes, Take them all down. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I know I was hurting so damn bad. I just, bad. I took them, man. They're in and uh, washed them right down. And about an hour or so later, they're loading me in the car and take me, you know, because they take me to Shreveport. It happened. Uh, it, uh, it's funny what happened. It happened in, uh, it happened in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, whoa. And they had to look at me in Shreveport. That's where their his so-called team doctor was. <laughs> but like a team doctor. That's who he used. So yeah. It stuck me in the back of my car. My roommates that was with me. And they drove me down to Shreveport and spent the night there. And then the next day, that's when the doctor told me. What a trip home. I had an old uh, Dodge Charger, an old 84 or 85 Dodge Charger with a five-speed. And I had to drive a five-speed home with a blown-out right knee. Changing oh, no. Yeah. I, I got a big hot water bottle filled it with ice and I just put it on my knee and I'd stop every so often because it would just all melt. And uh I could I could still move my big toe. You know, so I would get my leg in position and I got it right where I get it and I just used my big toe to get the gas. I had to do everything else with my left foot, which was really awkward. But you know, you're used to you know <laughs> yeah, sure. a clutch and everything with your with your right foot. But I had to do it with my left foot. I drove all the way from Pineville, Louisiana to Atlanta, Georgia to the net. And got home. I remember when I called my wife, and my wife was big and pregnant with my first son, and you know, about, about a month, or two months, a month and a half away. And I called because I'd been on the road for a minute, you know. And I was out in Louisiana. First, I went to Pensacola, and I got to go home for like a few days before I went to Louisiana. Once I could pack up all my stuff, I knew I was going to be out there for a while. But I called her back then, they didn't have cell phones, man. I, I was on my crutches, and I went to the to the payphone. It was at the little at the little strip mall over there by where I live, 
and I'm trying to call in. And I'm in Louisiana now. There's mosquitoes dive bombing me. It's the size <laughs> of, a, of a hawk, you know. They're like they're coming down, blah, fighting off mosquitoes. And I call my wife and I tell her, I said, "Well, I got good news and bad news." She goes, "Well, what's 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 the good news?" I said, "Well, the good news is I'm I'm coming home. I'll be home in a couple of days." But the bad news is my knee is gone. And I didn't know how bad it was, like I said, until I went to the doctor and they, they had to put me under so they could bend it. But, you know, it was just too painful. I couldn't even let them bend it. And then once they went in, you know, that's when they saw how bad it was. That, was, that was the end of 85? That was the end of 85, two weeks before Christmas. And then your dad, uh, of course, we, we said the assassin Jody Hamilton, he starts Deep South Wrestling? Yeah, we started that, and I was home in about at the end of '85. He was in transition between territories, and I was home with my leg blown out. So he he bought a ring, and we found a little place. And we started working, training people. First, I just kind of taught people through it, and eventually, my knee got right. You know, that, that's where I started getting back in the ring just a little bit. We operated deep south on the side, and uh, I went and got. I had two regular jobs. I went to one place with a buddy of mine owned an air freight packing company from. Atlanta Air Freight package back in the day, and uh, that we'd go in and package stuff up so it could be shipped in containers overseas or, or special crated if it needed to be for, you know, to be loaded on different flights and stuff like that. And, I, you know, that was a good little gig for a minute, but you know, my buddy's in it was still a growing business, so he couldn't keep me off for long. And uh, so then I went to work for Eagle Snacks, which was, they, they were a part of Anheuser Busch at the time. I drove a potato <laughs> chip truck, man. I was sitting out delivering potato chips and, and peanuts and stuff to all different yeah. stores, cars and stuff, man. And uh, I was doing that for a while. And then uh, Pop ended up getting on with WCW. And uh, Teddy Long went from becoming a referee to doing his gig. And that referee slot opened up, looking for somebody to step in. Once again, Pop threw my name in for me. And uh, they go, oh, he's available. Is he okay? Can he work? Uh, yeah, he can go. Uh -huh. And I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, so I was, I was ready to go. I was ready to quit driving the potato chip truck and, and, uh, and rolling around in the ring down there with the kids and get back on the road and try to make some real. So, but that was the first time too. Uh, you know, I thought I traveled a lot when I worked at Georgia championship wrestling and we'd work at home in Georgia. And when we start traveling, we'd go up to like Ohio, you know, like every other week, we would just go into a different state and then back to Georgia. You know, we thought that was big time travel, man. Ooh, man, we had no idea what was ahead of us with WCW and WWE. And you get to travel to those folks, man, that's <laughs> that's travel. I've traveled so much, and I, I literally, I'm not kidding you. I, I don't care if I, I really hope I don't ever get on another airplane again as long as I live. That's not, I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm, that's the, that's a, just God's honest truth. Yeah. I, if I can't, if I can't get there in a car or a boat, and it better be a short boat trip. And <laughs> I ain't going, man. I don't want to go. See, I see. I'm opposite. I did so many years at stand up comedy on the road driving that I yeah. don't. I don't want to drive anywhere. I'll, I'll get on a plane or a boat or whatever. But yeah, I'm like, get me out. Let me stay out of the car. So you deep south is wrestling. Uh, you're doing that at the beginning of '86 or in '86. And then 89, you're with WCW? Yeah, that's when I started. Pop started at the end of 88. He was there about six, eight months before I got there. I started in 89. And then right out of the gate, one of the greatest ever, Tommy Young, 
uh, he retires in 89 and all of a sudden you're the big dog, right? Yeah, Tommy, it was, it was a weird thing. We was doing uh, TV taping at center stage. I don't really remember what match he was doing, but the damn lights went out. And it just the whole building went, I mean, went pitch black. You couldn't see. Not like thing. a gimmick, but, like the lights No, no, went it out. wasn't a gimmick. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just the lights went out. <laughs> it took a while to get everything back up. And when the lights went out, I don't know how, but Tommy stumbled and fell. And when he fell, he hit his forehead across the bottom rope and snapped his neck back. Oh. And so that's how he hurt his neck. And then when the lights come back up, there lays Tommy. <laughs> like, what the hell happened to the referee? You know, he, he's down, he's out. You know, he's gone. You know, they had to help him, you know, he ended up having neck surgery. And he, it got him out of the business. He didn't never get back in the ring again. I knew he had neck surgery. I missed that story. That's crazy. So now yeah. you're in now you're in WCW and you're there for a long time. And when does when does kind of uh, Deep South become the power plant that we know of? A couple of years in, uh, probably okay. probably about four or five years in. I don't time chronological time is kind of hard, you know, because sure. I, I did I did so much road. You know, I can remember things that happened, but putting them in exact sure. order, order sometimes is difficult. I mean, well, was still, that a, was still, that a hey we need somewhere and and you guys yeah, said hey we yeah. got a place or what? And they were and they were looking for fresh young talent. That they were trying to bring in and they and, and and they were trying to emulate Vince, you know, Vince would bring in people that were outside of wrestling that was stars in other areas, you know. Bodybuilding and the whole deal, yeah. Oh, and you know, whatever, you know, whatever people that was that had a name and whatever it was that they were doing, you know, and they were trying to trying to do that. And uh and so they just popped this Deep South, he was still running Deep South on the side, had a guy training guys, you know, and they were working Indies, a lot of the guys. Some of them ended up coming to work at WCW, too. But Pop ended up training, like, Kevin Nash and a bunch of different guys. Kevin was one of the first big stars that, that or the first really big star that came down, you know, to, to work to train with Pop Deep South. But uh, as at the power plant, he trained all kind of guys, you know, all the big show, all the stuff, you know, that they brought in. But, uh, as far as the old original Deep South there, we trained all kinds of indie guys. And, uh, and, and they all had good indie careers. And a lot of them used to come in back in the day when we'd do those TVs when we had enhancement guys. You know, the guys always like to call them jobbers or whatever. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, to me, that's a very disrespectful term for somebody that goes out there and busts their ass and gives them their body to somebody to get them over. You know, and, and it's usually somebody that's never taken a bump or cut their head or been away from their family or, or broke a bone in their life. And all. they're going to take a beating, too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, boy. I got, I remember this one guy that, that we trained. I, I won't say it there. I'm not trying to do it. But uh, <laughs> he was terrible, man. It was the worst guy I ever trained in my life. Last LaRue. But no, no, no. Lash just, was good. I just I, kidding. I didn't train Lash. I love Lash. I'm just showing Lash. I just wanted to laugh. You, bu you busted Lash's chops. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. I love his it. long He's, chops. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're training this one guy and he's bad. Oh, so Pop was in charge of uh, of booking people to come in, you know, the, the enhancement guys. You know? So I see the guy's name on the list and I'm like, oh, my God. I said, Pop, I said, this, this guy, man, he, he, he can't go out and have a good match. It's impossible for him to go out and have even a, even a match that even sucks he would have to improve at. 
And he looked at me and goes, well, Joe, you don't have to know a whole lot to go out there and get the living shit beat out of you by Vader. <laughs> but, That's but, interesting. But I said, well, okay, then. <laughs> have at it. <laughs> Did he? Did he ever? Did he ever do anything in the biz? Uh, yeah, uh, he worked down there a couple of times. To get we, beat up. we wouldn't ever know so his cool name. Guy. I know you don't no. want to say his name, but we wouldn't ever no. know it. He no, didn't he improve. Local, local no, I love He didn't ever improve. He hit my age and I'm still doing it. Okay, <laughs> local guy. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, for everybody my age, you really start getting some meat. Now, look, I did. I love this because when I started sitting down and rewatching wrestling with Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. They would have me on WHW, which is a great podcast. Uh, we would, we would lovingly refer to you as the Kenny powers of wrestling. You had that. I don't know if you watched East Bay yeah, yeah. down, but yeah. everybody probably calls you that now, but you had the good, good looking mullet and you <laughs> look just like Kenny powers. And that's why we know you then, but back in the day, Boy, we hated your ass because you, well, we loved you or hated you either way, because after WCW gets going, you become the referee for the NWO and you're only working for the NWO, helping them were all their matches. Uh, this had to be a fun thing for you to go. I mean, ref is usually out of the way. You know, you just got to do your job and kind of stay in the background. This had to be kind of fun to become back in the storyline a little bit. Yeah, it was awesome. It gave me a chance to uh, to show everybody that I could do a lot more just be a referee, but not a lot of people realize that. I wrestled before, but it was still territories. You know, I didn't wrestle for Crockett's on the big TV on 17 or, or for Vince, but, uh, which is a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, uh, uh, I was just a young baby face, man. I, did, I, I had a hell of a time with it. Uh, what was what was the damn question again? Uh, about when you start with NWO, had to be fun to oh, get back into it was awesome. being in a storyline. Yeah, I was approached. It was Kevin Sullivan's idea. He come up and he approached me and asked me, "Hey, you know, would you like to do this?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah!" You know, and then when they and, and they wanted it to progress much slower than it did. You know, they, you know, the first little little things were happening. You know, I was I had plausible deniability with everything. All right. But man, it just all of a sudden they, they it just it, it caught on fire and people were pissed off at me before I really did a whole <laughs> lot of do heat. So they said that they just said they green lighted it and said go with it. So that's when I I started uh, breaking doing my breaking bad bullshit to try to piss people off. You know, I tried, I, the psychology I used behind it, I tried to be that guy that that only broke bad when his friends was around him, you know, because like, I had my yeah. bad you know, over there around, I'm like, oh, look at your bug. I'm going to come get you. you know, talking like I'm Billy Badass when my friends are around. Yeah. And, and and to me, watching that as a fan, you're watching and you're thinking, I know I can whoop that guy's ass. <laughs> you know, and that's what I that, I tried to play off of that heat, you know. They, you know, know let them know that in their in their mind, they know they can whoop my ass. But now here I'm giving them all this, all this shit in the face and all. It, it was fun. I tried to play off of that heat, and it really worked for me. Here, and of course it culminates, which we'll get into. I don't want to get in too deep on it because you're asked all the time. And again, we're about to plug a, a good show that me and you is about to do, but, uh, everyone knows you go to 97, you go to sold out, you ref every single match 
in yeah. a pay-per-view. Uh, when did this get pitched to you? And were you like, no way I can't do it? Or were you like, hell yeah, let's do this? I I was under the impression that they were going to force a couple of the other refs because that's what they were talking about. They were going to push up and going to make them do it. Okay. That, that got scrapped and they told me at the show that I was going to do them all. I was like, oh, crap, you know? <laughs> so usually when you do a match, you sit in with the guys and you listen to everything, you know, that's, you know, the whole thing. I had too much. Uh, there's no way I could have could have retained all of that. Sure. So you know, so I'd go to each match and I'd say, "Look, you know, because I was experienced enough, I can, you know, as long as I just know the end result, I can follow anything you're going to do unless you've got something specific in there that you're, you're bumping me or something. I didn't know that, you know, but anything else I can follow. So that's what I pretty much did with every match. You know, I'll find out what was going on and say, "Look, man, if there's something specific you want me to do, tell me. Otherwise, I'm just going to follow. I'm not going to." To sit with you guys and listen to you go over everything because I got three hours of wrestling to do here, man. You know, so yeah. I, have to get, I have to go to everybody. So, so that's how I did it. You know, I just kind of, I just followed. You know, I, I knew what was, I knew the end result, and if there was anything specific in between, I knew. But everything else, I went. I thought, I thought trying, to very... find, trying to find time to go hit the bathroom too. You know? <laughs> they had, they had a video or something. I. You know, whoever went out first, I was out with them, man. Hit the bathroom. Did you use the bathroom in the middle of the pay-per-view? You had to. I had to. I went three hours. If they, if I knew a video was coming at the end of a match and it was, you know, it, and it was, I had a couple of minutes before guys were actually coming to the ring, I ran and I hit it. I had to do it twice. Twice? It, and I'd come back in the side and, you know, sit back up into the ring. You got a water bottle ringside or beer? What are you doing? Oh, I wish I did. I wish I did. <laughs> I tell you, the, the beer rig side was cool. I got, I got a good story. I was in uh, Montreal, and I'm working for, for WWE now. And uh, Blackjack Lanza, he was an agent, and Stone Cold was on the show. So he's out there, and it's like at intermission time. They still have matches afterwards, but he does his beer thing, right? And the people are going crazy. So now it's starting to really you know, take time. Blackjack was like, well, then he want to get, get in there and get hell out. So he's like, all right, Nick. And they'd send a ref down when it was time to try to get him to wrap up so you can give him the cue so he can start wrapping up the deal, right? So I go down there and tell him I'm trying to give him the cue to wrap it up, and he calls me in the ring. So I get in the ring with him. I'm doing the very next match, right? So he he works the people, works the people, and all of a sudden he hands me uh, one of those Canadian beers that's with a red, white, and blue can. It was ice cold, too. And they and he wanted me to chug it. So, hell, there I am. I had to do it, man. I popped the lid on that beer. And I chugged that sucker down. I mean, I sh I shoot chugged it all the way down, and there was nothing left. And uh, I crushed the can, and I threw it off the side, and the people went freaking They're going wild. And they went bananas, man, and he did do it. And the, the, promo, the, the segment that was supposed to got cut short ended up me going out there and joining into it. <laughs> now you're so, going over the whole show. Yeah, so now I've chugged a beer before my next match. I mean, shotgunned almost a beer before the next match. And I started working. I'm thinking to myself, damn, I can feel that a little bit, man. <laughs> so, hey, I don't care if you're a priest, a doctor, whatever. If Stone Cold's giving you a beer in front of a crowd, you're chugging that. You're man. chugging it, man. I, there wasn't even any suds left. There wasn't any foam left in the bottom of that thing, man. I chugged it down and crushed it and tossed it like I was a big dog, man. <laughs> It was fun. Uh, this had to be, uh, you know, this is a very interesting thing. with me. you had a great, by the way, if anybody hadn't seen it, you had a great talk with Conrad and Eric Bischoff on 83 weeks. 
uh, a couple months ago or a month ago or so. Uh, just that was a fascinating episode. But uh, one of the things I was kind of leaning into and, and realizing when you were talking to them was, and you mentioned it kind of briefly, is, uh, you know, your time as a wrestler, you're growing up in the wrestling business. Uh, you've got Deep South where now you're kind of training guys as well. And now you're a ref. That's kind of more of a detailed resume than some of the guys that are ref. No, not, not a diss to them, but you know, some guys just go in, they, their size difference. They just automatically become a ref. You've kind of been in every level with this announcer commentating, uh, wrestling, whatever it is Did this, I feel like this kind of gave you a different level as a referee in the ring. Well, I appreciate that. It, it, it definitely helped me in, uh, in the psychology aspect of what we do. Because yeah, I understand what the rest of, you know, how to work cameras and what, what they're going to talk about, how to put things together. I was an agent for a while in the WCW over the last couple of years. So I would have a couple of matches of, you know, per show that I would have to get with the guys and line up everything. And, uh, that was awesome. And it, it did. It gave me a, a great overview. That's why I teach everything in my at Deep South, I tell them, hey, there's more jobs in the wrestling business than just out there taking notes. You know, there's there's behind the scenes, there's a lot of things. So I teach different kids different things at the at Deep South when I'm running things. And then, uh, of course, uh, WCW ends up being uh, bought by WWF, WWE. Uh, and uh, that had to be a big deal, though. You're one of only three refs to make that transition and they brought in that's that's a pretty big deal of course everybody knows charles robinson yeah. uh and then billy silverman and yourself um were you excited was this a hey we're sad to see wcw go was it kind of bittersweet were you excited i was i i was all for wcw you know i mean when it happened it happened you have to deal with what happens in front of you you know you were sad you know that 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 you lost a war, that can, but but it's more apprehensive. You know, you want to know what the hell you have a job. But I was very fortunate. Uh, I've known Jerry Briscoe since I was a little boy, and he was one of the guys there for the transition. And they told everybody. It was funny. I'm one of the few guys that was actually at Black Saturday when Vince came and took over way back in the day. I was there, and I was really? also yeah, I was also at the Panama City. I I'm the only person I know of that was at home. But the, and they were very similar. They were very similar. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story another time when, uh, when we get a chance about uh, the first time I ever laid eyes upon this. But, man, that, that <laughs> Go ahead now. Go ahead now. All right. It's Black Saturday. I used to go back in the day. K-Fabe was a huge thing, especially with Ovid. And, uh, and, and for, the, for those that don't know the ins and outs of wrestling, K-Fabe is keeping the storyline, the storyline, and we're not going to. If we, yeah. if we're rivals on air, we're going to be rivals off air. We don't let everybody yeah. know that we're hanging out. Kayfabe is, is keeping yeah. the, the secrets close. Yes, exactly. Well, anyway, I knew back in the day because only when he would talk to the directors and let them know what was going on in the matches, but the camera guys, they were just, you know, they, a lot of them worked for the Braves and stuff. They always said, ah, they work sports. I guess it's their job to catch the action. So none of them had a clue as to what was going on, you know, and, I thought to myself, well, one of these days, if they had somebody that, because I had to sit down and listen to everything, and I knew every move, every spot, every finish, you know, I, I was doing all, almost all the matches, you know, and even the ones I didn't do, I listened to in case a guy got hurt. 
and you had to get thrown out there, you'd know what the hell you're doing, you know. So uh, it was a, uh, it wasn't hard for me. I'm sorry, man. I keep getting off track. Well, you're good. The first time you saw Vince McMahon. Oh yeah. All right. So I used to go and stand in the control room and listen to the director because that was very interesting to me. I say, okay, camera one, get ready, and camera one, and go. You know, and that camera three, camera three, come in tight, and there we go. You know, I used to, that was really interesting to me. And I thought to myself, if they had somebody like me that knows everything that's going on, be the liaison between the crew, so that more than just a director, let the camera guys know what's going on. So you've got a spectacular spot with a guy diving out over the top up to the floor, but wouldn't it look a whole lot cooler if the cameraman knew when and where it was going to happen so he could be there to get the, the best possible shot, you know? I was I was thinking in those terms, but you know it wasn't going to happen that way with Ole. Yet. So anyway, but I, but I still thought you know I was still thinking along those terms, and I used to love to stand there. So I'm standing in, in the director's room one day, and there's this guy standing there, and he's got his arms folded, he's making his face, so, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking to myself, this guy's you know he's dressed you know he's an executive dressed. I said, well, I figured. It. I thought at first that he was one of the executives from Turner. Because back in the day, we always got in trouble, man. If anybody said hell or damn or I mean, just the least little thing on TBS, they were honest, man. If you legitimately accidentally got hit in the nose, nose legitimately bled, they'd go ape shit over that. You know, they acted like we did it on purpose, you know, and, and then act like they was going to kick us off a of TV, you know. So I thought that this was a Turner exec standing there about to ream somebody about something. He had his arm folded there that on his face, you know, I'm, and I'm in my, thinking to myself, I said, I wonder who this goofy looking son of bitch is, you know, so that's, that's, that's exactly what was in my mind, right? So I didn't even speak to the guy because I thought he was there to get on somebody's ass, turn and I wasn't, <laughs> didn't want it to be mine, you know, so I, I stand there and I watch for a while, it's getting time for me to go, so when I walked by, I just nodded, kept going, didn't shake his hand, didn't say hello, nothing. It turned out that that man that was standing there was not a Turner exam. That was Vincent K. McMahon standing there. And had I just walked up to him and told him why I was standing there and who the hell I was, I could have been in on the ground floor of the whole damn everything. He could you know? change the landscape. Boom, my whole entire, you know, <laughs> but I, you know and, and it's funny. I, I do laugh at, at it now. And, you know, and I had to think about, you know, everything does happen in, in, in life for a reason, you know, and I yes. Later on in life, the business at that time, man, was so, so wide open, man. And we were starting to lose people. People were starting to drop. And, uh, and New York was a heavy hit place. <laughs> and I'd gone up there and been in the midst of all that insanity. I might not, you know, tell them I could have been on that list too. You know, and, uh, you know, me going the path that I went with, uh, and, and, realizing certain things and you know you come to a point in your life you really say okay if i keep doing this i'm gonna die and either you keep doing it and you die or you get the hell away from it and live and i chose life man my legacy i wasn't gonna have to my children was well they found my dad dead in a hotel room you know that because uh, i had some a lot of friends that that was that was what happened and uh i'm gonna make damn sure that that that, that didn't happen well, you uh, I, before we get out here and get to the countdown and uh, and uh, wrap this up, I do want to make sure we get a plug in. Now you've got Deep South Wrestling. You revived it. Yeah. 
it took a break for a while, uh, but you had uh, many runs. Now you had a second and a third run, and uh, I just want to get you to pat yourself on the back a little bit because maybe people don't understand. Deep South Wrestling, man, has produced some damn talent that we are currently watching and yeah. in some big spots. Yeah. Um, you had Miz there. That was your first heavyweight champion at Deep South. Yeah, yeah. At the at that particular part of time of Deep South, there was yep. you know, South that existed for a long time before that. But there was a lot of different guys that, that made it that were Deep South champions. But, uh, Austin Creed was there. Yeah, a lot Cody? of Cody. Cody. Uh, no, I don't think Cody was there. Did but, Cody uh, ever come through? Styles was there, and uh, 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 God, there's so many kids, and some of them are A and E kids in there too. But, uh, but but then now now you're still training, right? Deep South Wrestling yeah. is still going and yeah. uh, still training everybody. Running shows, I got a little show. You can find us on uh, YouTube, or you can check out our uh, our website. If you go on YouTube, go uh, check out the uh, uh, YouTube. We are Deep South. And you can pull up. I've got a whole list of different matches. My retirement match I had. I had a retirement match. I decided I was man, time for time to get out of there. I'm 62 years old. And I've said this before. I said this on the podcast. Man, I got bad knees, bad back, bad wrist, bad neck, and a bad freaking attitude. And then I can't get in the ring with her. I just, you know, so these two kids were really stand out, stand out workers on the local level and had feuds all over the state and we had a three match series with these kids and told a tremendous story and ended up the final match being an I quit match and it was I had made it my retirement match and the building that we run is a little uh, theater downtown and it's got the marquee out front so what we do is when kids work their way up to being the main event we make sure we don't plug deep south or they don't plug me we put their names on the marquee so when they pull nice. up the building in a building in downtown Atlanta them and their family see their name on the marquee in front of this building. That's it's, awesome. It, it's an emotional thing, man. I've seen uh, it made me come to tears watching them come to tears. You know, sure. I mean, you know, their, their, their parents gathered there with, you know, and taking pictures with that in the background. It's, it's a big thing. It's a great motivation. Tool. And, uh, but I've got kids. Uh, what we do is we just pick the best of the local kids and we're trying to get them looked at, let them let them present themselves in the way they want. We help them tell stories. We come up with storylines for them, but we let them run their characters. And, uh, we're just trying to just trying to do our thing, man. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, but I'm trying. But if if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it different. I want my stuff to be different and look different. And it drives me crazy. There's a lot of different wrestling shows on, you know. And if you look at them. Until you find the logo, you don't know really what show it is. They all kind of, kind of look alike, you know. It's kind of got the same formula. I'm trying to do my stuff a little bit different. But, uh, and just a different presentation. But, uh, but it's, I use the best. I'm not trying to get old guys. If I use older guys, I use older guys that can still go and it can tell a story and it's actually done something. You know, at, at, at the independent level, you see a wide variety. Man, I've, I've said it on the, on the other podcast. I've been a couple of independent shows that I work in. I'm more selective now. When I first thought, at first, I would just take a bookings. I went to a couple of shows. On my way back home, I thought to myself, oh my God, I got to get home safe because if I don't, that would have been the last damn thing that I have done in the wrestling business. And I'm not going to let that be, you know. It was literally that bad, you know, man. But then there's others that are very, very good that you want to damn, you know, how to. 
what's the scoop here? Why, why aren't, why they should be at the next, next level. You know, it's just, I guess, a matter of being at the right place at the right time. And so I, those are the kids I try to present. The ones that are putting in the work that are working every weekend, you know, not, you know, once or twice a month. And, you know, these kids are getting out and going, not just in the Atlanta area, but going all over the Southeast. You know, they get bookings, they're hitting the road, they're going. Those are the ones I try to put on my show. Uh, awesome stuff. If they are wrestling or if they want to come see it, where can they contact you or where can they go watch some of your stuff going on? Well, we got our next show is going to be March 31st up in Dalton, Georgia. If you check on YouTube, we are deep South or go on our website at uh, deep South wrestling. You can, uh, you can see a lot of our promos and our stuff that we've got coming up and our lineup is coming up for this show. And, uh, you'll see it. It, was, it, it. It's very exciting. And, uh, for a minute, we was doing shows out of this place that it was, and we had a completely different feel. It was a place called Mixed Eating. We had like three shows out of there, and we had some reserved seating for the original fans. But it was it was in Atlanta, and it was in a nice area, and it had been kind of refurbished. And we did a different feel. We did a bring your own bottle thing, where if you know you could, you could buy a wristband to drink, and it was like. Uh, five dollars extra to get the wristband and you bought it you know we had where they could get their tickets right there at the building and everything and man we had that brought us in and it had a lot of standing room for that it was funny we had like two sides of the ring with the seats but we had two that was open so people could stand and walk because the, the group that came in that really surprised me we had the 20s and the 30s nice and i and uh, mostly 20s and 30s and we still had some of our old school people that wanted to sit in the seats, but the rest of them that was bringing their own bottle, they was walking around and talking like it was a bar scene, kind of like. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was seating over here and a bar scene over here. And by the end of the night, everybody had a nice little buzz going, and it was loud and rowdy. And it looked, it, it looked like an underground fight club. It looked really cool. It was different, different look, different feel. And I don't want all my shows to look like that. I want them to look different. I don't want to have the same look every week, you know, but uh, I'm looking for different places. I don't want to just have everything look like like a high school gym or the National Guard Armory or like sure. everybody else runs, you know. I want different, different looks, different venues. Some of these theaters are really cool. You know, they got really cool looks. They've got the seating that goes upward. And you can take a crowd of, you know, a couple hundred and, and Make it look really big, you know, just in the way it's, it's recorded and, and the way the seating is. And, uh, man, that's what we're doing. We're trying to roll with Deep South. We're, uh, we, uh, we, what we do is we don't put out a regular show that's got like five matches. We put out, when we are doing it, we have like seasons. Right now we're in the down season. And we got like five matches still to put out. But, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we, we, we're a small company. And what happened is uh, our studio, had a water pipe bust and all of our producers, all of his equipment got messed up. So he's got his insurance money and he's getting replaced and everything. We wasn't able to put up product. We had a deep South tournament uh, lined up and <laughs> it was funny. We had like 40, this, I, we, we postponed the tournament and I hate doing that because it makes you lose uh, momentum. Sure. But I, but when you got a group of things happening, tell you first off, we was having a hassle with the building. The building wanted us to change the date and the time. And it was like, wait a minute, we're, we draw more than anything that, that you have right, right now that's coming to this building and, and you're, you're jacking us around on our date and time. So we wanted to work with them on that. The belt had it had 
Our belt just got this logo on it. Just to put it good looking logo. I was about to say. I yeah. hope, hope you sell face. some merch. Yeah, well, we got we got the shirts and we got hoodies too, in black and then yeah, we got black for just the hoodies. The shirts are in black and in uh, gold too. But uh, anyway, where the hell was I, man? I keep losing track. Oh, Tell me how great it is. What you, uh, what y'all were doing and the venue was jacking you around. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the venue was jacking us around and uh, the belt needed fixed. We we announced eight guys. We're going to have an eight person tournament, and uh, which by it's an elimination tournament, which would give you seven matches at the end, you know, at the end of the night. Two of the people that we had announced that we was using the people that we used that had the hottest matches and, you know, got the best, you know, reaction from the people. Well, two of them are hurt now. So oh. it's like, so I'm like, man, so we're having to regroup and we're waiting. So we're waiting till we I get I can't catch a break. Man, so I just said, let's just postpone this. So in the meantime, we got contacted by this man that, uh, that owns the building up in uh, Dalton. And he was looking for, he's got some wrestling up there, but he's really wanting to pop it. He's been watching our, our product and likes it. Uh, want to do business with us. So we're, we got a deal. We're doing our first show up there with him on the 31st. We've got a nice deal lined up. It's, uh, it's going to be cool. we got a great, great card lined up. And all local, young, hungry kids that go out there and work hard. So if you're in the area, that's going to be Dalton, Georgia. Yes, sir. On March 31st. March 31st. Uh, be looking for that in the future. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, me and you is going to announce what we're about to do for ad free shows. Then I'm going to do the yeah. countdown and we're going to get out of here. Uh, and I appreciate you joining me tonight, but here's what we got going on. We are doing the Nick Patrick mailbag, and that is going <laughs> to be every other week, only exclusively at ad free shows, adfreeshows.com. Uh, it is the epicenter for anything wrestling podcasting is adfreeshows.com. And that's why we had to get Nick Patrick involved. I appreciate you letting me sit down and chat with you. That's going to debut on the 27th of February, February 27th. And then every other week, we're going to do a mailbag. Everybody can send in their questions, ask anything they want, something about wrestling, something about Nick's personal life. What's his favorite biscuit for breakfast? Whatever you want to ask, send it in. Uh, and the only way to involve, uh, to watch that and consume it is ad free shows. It is the epicenter for wrestling podcasts. So check out adfreeshows.com. We do many things over there and Nick, welcome to the family, man. And excited Glad to be to doing be. this show with you, brother. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time. You're going to get to know what everybody wants to know about you inside and out wrestling, uh, to your favorite color. We're going to find it out All right. every, uh, every two weeks on ad free shows, the Nick Patrick mailbag. So check it out. Adfreeshows.com. If you're not a member already, just for $9 a month, you can get a lot of stuff. So check that out at adfreeshows.com. Now we're going to hit you with the countdown. We ask every yes, it's on Cassio's cut 10 questions, and then we'll get out of here tonight all right here we go starting off with number 10 10 name something you have more than 10 of in your house something you collect or something whatever what do you have more than 10 of in nick patrick's house calendars 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 my oldest son nick is autistic and he is obsessed with calendars he loves them i loves them man he's got a cat we got a calendar in every room he's got a couple in his room all he does with his little cell phone is pull up the calendars and 
and he'll scroll back. I mean, I've seen him scroll back to like to the to or to the nineties, and he bars it'll go. He's got a he's got a photographic memory. He can tell you different things that happened at different times. So, but calendars is the deal. It's funny. And the last day of every month, he goes to the house, flips the calendars, and that next morning, he's on the phone with his brother, with his with his with his, with his grandma, with you know, used to when my pop was still. He'd call them, and he's very. Did you flip the calendars? Did you flip the? Calendars? <laughs> so That's awesome. And, and if they hadn't flipped them, when his butt gets over there, he's going through the house and flipping every one of them. He's my mom's the same way. We got calendars in every room at my mom's house too. So he goes, they flips them all, man. That's but, awesome. Uh, number nine, uh, uh, what's the worst wrestler ever to take a nine-hour road trip with? I'd have to say Tony Atlas. <laughs> really? I got along really well with Tony. Don't get me wrong. Friends, I love him to death. But man, back in the day, Tony was so, so hard to travel with. Why? Wow. Because he never wanted to stay where everybody wanted to stay. He never <laughs> wanted to eat where anybody wanted to eat, when or where. He didn't want train. Everybody wanted to train. He did. He just never want. You're driving too fast, and you're driving too slow. Or let them on fear. No, I don't want to stop there. Oh my God! He would not agree with anything. The sky is blue. Oh no, it ain't. Oh my God! Uh, and I love him to death. Don't get me wrong, but man, he's a contrarian when it comes oh, to traveling. Yes, yeah, that's difficult. When you travel all the time, man, you got to get with people. You <laughs> you know, people that like you, you know, you know, you know, because you got to go to the gym together. You know, everybody got one car usually. And, Who have uh, you traveled the most with in your life? Uh, I traveled a lot with Teddy Long. Teddy back, Long? Yeah, back in WCW days, we traveled a lot. Traveled a lot with him up in WWE. Uh, traveled a lot with him. Traveled a lot with Booker T. And, uh, mainly those two guys a lot. You know that the most of Teddy. I had two runs with him. You know, both companies. So. Yeah. All right. Number eight. Uh, when you end up, uh, what's the last meal you ate? What do you want your last meal to be? You can mix and match. You can do restaurants, home cooking, whatever you want. Let me know your last meal. Man, that was a toss up for me, but I'm going to have to tell you my son, my youngest son, Tony, you know, it's a cameraman. That young can cook. Really? Oh my God. There's certain, he makes the best salmon I've ever eaten. But he makes this low country boy. Oh, come on now. Unbelievably good. I mean, it's like my favorite. I, I like, I tried to talk people, uh, the family, that let's just do it that for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, you know, no, no, no. Turkey is like this. Our tradition. <laughs> okay. Well, dang it. I tried, you know. But that low country boy, that would be it. And if, it if it wasn't that, I, you'd have to bring me in a sushi chef to make me great. A sushi? Can you crush yeah. some sushi? Oh man. And if I had a couple of cold acai beers to go with it, then oh, yeah. in trouble. Those things are dangerous though now. Yeah, that's okay. Those acais are they're whoo, they're dangerous. I live on the edge, man. <laughs> All right, number seven. When you were seven years old, what'd you want to be when you grew up? Wrestler. Wrestler was already in the blood. Yeah, I, I knew what I wanted to do. Was there ever any backup plan? Uh, I was, I didn't, I was going to do what I had to do to get to being a wrestler. To be know? in the business. Like, yeah. you know, I wanted to be in the business, but you know, like uh, when I graduated high school, I, I, I got a job at a factory and uh, I went to college for a year. And then before I actually broke, I started in a business part-time. Then we moved back to Atlanta. So I was out of the business. Again. 
Central States when I went to college, and then we moved back to Atlanta because Pop got a booking job down here. And uh, so when we moved back, and uh, I went to college. I, I signed up for another uh, semester of college, and I was like the second weekend, and the ref job popped up for me at, at uh, WCW. And so it was. You were gone. Yeah, bye-bye college, man. That was all you needed to hear, wasn't it? That's all I needed, man. And that was a real gig there. That's when I really – I learned so much working at Georgia Championship Wrestling. I worked with so many top guys, and I worked so not so much. You know, everybody talked about me working that one pay-per-view, doing the whole, the whole show. But that was – man, we used to do – back in the old days, referees did the whole show a lot. That was standard. Except, yeah, until bumping the ref became a thing and an easy way out, and it happened to almost every freaking show. And uh, they didn't start hiring other refs. You know, they would just cheat their way out and just use one ref. You know, then uh, you know, one ref can't go out and take a bump in the in the fourth match and do two more matches after that. <laughs> right. That makes sense, you know. So, and thank goodness, you know, they, they finally decided to quit being so cheap and hire a couple extra folks. All right, number six. How do you want to end up six feet under? How do you want to go out? Woo! Well, hopefully peacefully in my sleep. Okay. After, after an incredible night of lovemaking with my <laughs> favorite woman. Yeah. There we go. Number five, five-finger discount. What's the last thing you stole? I, I ain't never – I'm not a stealer, man. I, Nothing? No, I can't think of anything. What about a pillow from a hotel? You got to stole uh, something. Uh, okay, maybe a towel from a hotel. A towel, okay. okay. Yeah, I had a shitload of towels. No, I, did, I, <laughs> I, I do take that. that. That's the only thing I'd ever taken, really. And, you know, that, that, loaded and that was, yeah, I got man, I had a closet full of hotel towels at one time. You come in, right. and I'd wait till I went to a nice one, too. Oh, yeah. Like, and then clean them out? Yeah, man. No, I wouldn't clean them out. I just, just one. I wasn't ridiculous with it. Okay. If you do one, they can't charge you. It might get lost in the shuffle. Because usually my bags were so stuffed. You know, we we gone on the road. You know, I didn't have room to stuff a bunch of towels. Just one. Just, just yeah, get one. Yeah. I squeeze one in there in my working bag. I dry off with it. I bring it home, man. All right. Four, I need your Mount Rushmore top four Little Debbies of all time. You said you sold snacks, so you might be in the Little yeah. Debbie game. Uh, I was an Eagle snack guy. I was potato chips and peanuts and stuff. But, but you're from the South. You've had to have yeah, some little Debbie's. Yeah, I like. I love those little uh, cherry pies. But okay. My favorite, my favorite one is the little, uh, the little peanut butter wafers. The little, the little chocolate uh, wafers. It's got little peanut butter in them. The Nutty Buddy. Yeah, nut, yeah, Nutty Buddy. So Nutty Buddy. And they got another little chocolate nutty thing too. That's it's got a hard shell. It's got uh, peanut butter on the inside. I don't know what it's called. Peanut butter nut. Log. Oh, the peanut butter bars. The little like, log. It's like a little log deal, but it's, those are the peanut butter bars. Yeah, it's not yeah. the way. It's not the wafer one though. Right, it's a different one, but it's got peanut butter in it too. I like them, and uh, I like the little uh, the little chocolate cake that's got the the white frosting on the inside. Okay, I like that one too. Heck yeah! All right, there's a good, there's a good four right there. Uh, I asked this three out. If you're on a deserted island, what's three albums you can listen to? If you don't know albums you can go artists yeah i'm i'm going uh i'm going uh led zeppelin physical graffiti oh my man we we just became best friends all right i'm gonna I'm go i'm gonna i'm gonna get a variety of stuff now i'm gonna go dr dre chronic 2001 <laughs> yeah and then i'm gonna go leonard skinner's what live one more from the road 
My man, we could be best friends. We just became best friends, sir. Yeah. I can listen to all three of those forever, my friend. Yeah, it's the first sound there. I used to all right. Number two, yeah. number two, if you could ref a match today between two current wrestlers, who would it be? I see two kids that I, that I, I really like their work, but I, Ben Ballard's one of them. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, and Cesaro. And he uses another Great game. guy. Man, I would like to see those two. And if I, and put, I would. I would like the young Nick Patrick to, to work that match. <laughs> so you can they, do full more. They, they could hang with them, you know, not yeah, my yeah. old ass trying to, you know, trying to, oh, oh, God, getting up and down. And somebody help me, you know. Okay. Uh, man, uh, yeah, the, the, those two kids to me, I saw, you know, Finn Balor, he's just amazing to watch. He's amazing. But uh, I always enjoyed watching Cesaro and the, the, the match. It really sold me. One time he had a, a match, I think it was on Raw, with, with John Cena. And man, it was it, to me. I watched it, timing, move wise. So it, it, it was a WrestleMania quality match. You yeah. know, I mean, it didn't have the storylines and all that put to it that the WrestleMania match would, but quality wise and and uh, execution wise, it was it was incredible. And he brought the best out of John, and John brought the best out of him too. You know, it's, uh, but uh, I'd like to see those two. Uh, uh, Cesaro and Ben Bauer, I think, would really tear it down. And then last but not least, number one, if you were a wrestler today, what would be your walkout song? What gets you pumped up? I, oh, man, I'd probably have some some Pantera of some sort. Man. Yeah, really? Oh, man, yeah. I like them, too. I, you know, I, that was hard when you told me because I was going to try to stick a Pantera in there and listen <laughs> to on my desert island. You know, that would scare people away. <laughs> well, now, you can get it, now you can get it on your walkout song and have it there. Uh, yeah, Are you I, doing like I, walk or something maybe, like that? Walk or, or maybe five minutes alone. Oh, That's nice! Like yeah. You are a rocker. Okay, yeah. hostile's a little too too rugged at the end of it. But I like uh, but Dom Hollow. Do you like Dom Hollow? You know that one? No, I'm not sure. I'll let you jam it. That's a good jam right there. Have you ever heard uh, uh, Dimebag Daryl uh, do his thing with uh, David Allen Coe? No. Oh my God! You got to check it out. Is Rebel it good Week stuff? Oh, it's Southern Rock with Werewolf Teeth, brother. You got to check it out, man. Southern it's, Rock it's with it's, Werewolf it's, Teeth. Yeah, it's badass, man. You got to check it out. You never, you never did. You can tell it's dime bag, but uh, it's really cool. David Allen Coe. It's a, it's a hell of a mix, man. Love so, it. It's called Rebel Meets Rebel. Check it out sometime, man. I will one hundred percent check it out, my man. That is it, everybody. Uh, thank you for watching. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, Nick, are you on social media? Can they find you on social yeah, media? Yeah, under Joe Hamilton Jr. I, I use my real name. On what? Twitter, everything? I'm on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. Either. I've never sent a, I have done a tweet or a tweet or whatever they do. <laughs> never, <laughs> never in my life, man. I've done Facebook. That's it. They, Facebook. They just, they just now got me to quit using a flip phone, man. Them kids are <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> Hey, I went to the store. They actually got flip phones back. They're going to make a comeback. Watch that. Hell yeah, they will. You're going to be back. Uh, don't be so right. technical. I won't know how to use it. <laughs> uh, and everybody, before you go, also check out ad-free shows. If you are a member, be looking for our show starting February 27th. Every other week, we're going to have the Nick Patrick mailbag where you can send in your questions. And the man himself, Nick Patrick, is going to answer them. Uh, and if you're not a member of ad free shows, check it out. At least look what all they got. I promise you this. They got so much content every month. You can't even catch up with all of it. And it is exclusive stuff that is only there 
at adfreeshows.com. Nick, welcome to the Ad Free Shows family. I'm hey, excited about that. That's going to be a blast. Man. We're going to have a good time with that. And I had a blast today. Everybody, again, go find him on Facebook. You can find him there. If you're around the Dalton, Georgia area, go check out the show March 31st, Deep South Wrestling. Everybody, I hope you had a good time today. Leave us a comment wherever you are. I hope you enjoyed it. Nick Patrick, I'm Cassio. Everybody, stay maxed.